As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pot on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on the show this week. Santiago Munez, no not that one, is our sole signing on deadline day. Can this skeleton of a squad compete in the Premier League? The booze rang out for Bruce in a turgid first half hour at St James's, the second honeymoon is well and truly over. And the Saints stole a point, but did we even deserve to be leading in injury time? Hello everyone, I'm Taylor Payne uh, and this is Pod in the Tyne. Uh, unfortunately we're with you a day later than usual, sorry about that, uh, but Chris and George had some crucial thumb twiddling to do on deadline day hello chaps how are we doing are we well george yes marvelous yeah yeah full of righteous indignation and anger so oh, that's, yes. uh, that's nice but that's me i've had a week of watching newcastle play because chris has been off so i've had to sort of i've had to fill the breach so yeah i'm just i'm absolutely sick of life i'm furious i'm angry um all those things so i mean i'm up i'm usually all those things it's just magnified by the power of something else I've had to do more of it. Outstanding stuff. Thanks. First day of autumn, Chris. How are you feeling? Are you waving bye bye to summer? Well, I'm, I'm just concerned because George broke Newcastle United when I was away. I mean, it was perfectly fine before I left, and then things over the last. That's week. not. That's not quite true, is it? Well, I've seen. How many? What's your record at Newcastle this season? Played to, won, lost to. Correct. What's mine? Played to, drawn to. As 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 Steve Bruce can testify, Newcastle did not lose against Burnley in the Carabao Cup. Looking forward to that particular replay, and um, so my record's drawn to. So two points on the board, if you like. Your record in general is quite good recently because you you saw them. You, your your record compared to mine over the last eighteen. Can months I can I be- can I just while I'm on this rant, can I just say something else? Right. When I like when I joined the Athletic, right here I am. I'm like I'm senior writer at the Athletic. That's my jo- that's my job title, right? So the idea is that I'm I'm like the elder statesman, and I'm I'm the elder statesman. And part of my role was to sort of was to mentor Chris, was to help him along, you know, was to sort of, you know this talented young writer with his career in front of him, right? Now when I was a young lad on a on a paper at the Times, when the big games happened. The big writers swanned up, and I had to basically carry their bags and make them tea and do stuff like that. Chris goes away on holiday, and he leaves me Burnley in the Carabao Cup, and he leaves me Southampton at home. I'm just looking at the calendar for the rest of the year. He's leaving me Burnley again in the league. I'm going to Crystal Palace. I'm doing all this shit, and I'm thinking, what has gone wrong with my career? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, come on, Chris. I think You're you're, the man for the small occasion, George. I should be doing Man. I should be doing Man United. I should be going to Man City. I should be doing all yeah. those things. 
Well, I think one thing we can agree on is that you are both as equally to blame for the state of Newcastle United as each other at the moment. And that is not at all, because it's Mike Ashley's fault. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Um, the new season feels like it's been going for several hundred years already. Uh, but the Athletic season opening offer of 33% off new subscriptions is still available. You'll get the same great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, including the supremely talented Chris Woff uh, and his understudy George Colgan, uh, as well as ad-free versions of all of the podcasts, including this one. But you'll pay a third less. Uh, get yourself to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to take advantage of this special offer. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Come on you Maggie's. Well then, uh, there was some real restlessness in the stands at the Southampton match and a bit more on that later. So it was lucky that we had a little over 48 hours to juice up the squad with a couple of loan deals to put us all in a more positive mood. Oh no, hang on. This is Newcastle United. So we brought in a kid from Mexico who won't be part of the Premier League squad, and that was that. So when we look at the squad, fellas, bare bones doesn't really come close to it, does it? Let's be honest. Um, what do we think, George? What's the squad? Is this squad good enough to compete in the Premier League to actually <sighs> do anything? Well, it's the same squad, more or less, that finished last season and finished last season strongly. And so my reading of it is that they've taken the decision internally. I mean, maybe that's even too active a way of putting it. Maybe they've they've looked at their finances and, and whatever and, and sort of thought, well, we did that so we can do it again. And to me, that is a, is a huge gamble. It's the gamble of doing nothing, which is something that Ashley has done a lot. If we think back to the end of last season, yeah, they they gambled on sticking with uh, Steve Bruce, and that you know that kind of paid off. And the concern, of course, is two things. So, firstly, um, I mean, in 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 real terms, Newcastle squad is actually weaker because you've lost Andy Carroll, and Andy Carroll made getting on for twenty appearances in all competitions last season. Granted, he wasn't ever going to score a goal, but he was a body, and he was an option. And um, so he kind of provided that that uh, outlet. They've also lost uh, Matty, Matty, Matty Longstaff, of course. And what you know, the problem is, is that you, if, if at the start of the window the idea is that you strengthen, Newcastle haven't strengthened, and by staying still while everybody else strengthened, they've effectively. They've effective, you know, they're effectively weaker in that in that sense yeah. as well. In real terms, you're going backwards, aren't you? Yeah, in real terms, you're going backwards. And at the same time, the players who were who were already at the club, um, there's no more competition for them. Players always welcome new faces, even if they're faces that uh, threaten their position, because you know that's how you improve as a player. And certainly amongst, you know, outside the club, amongst the fan base and all the rest of it, there's that huge feeling of um, trepidation and concern and, you know, possibly apathy and anger. And the club are short, you know. We know what they needed, we we know what they wanted. And um, we know, having watched the first games of this season, that they're on, you know, that they're unbalanced. They're unbalanced in the way they want to play. And... um, you know, finally, I mean, I've said this on Twitter, but it's kind of worth repeating that people, you know, people kind of tried to persuade Steve Bruce not to take the job or suggested he shouldn't do it. And that finally, finally, he would um, he would kind of come to understand what all that was about. And I'm, I'm sure he has this summer because, yet again, the one person at the club who has a public role, who takes the flack, who tries to sort of explain what the club is doing, and in his case, doesn't do it very well, has been left to dangle. He's tried to work with the with the hierarchy, and um, you know, yet again, it's it's exactly the same as happened to absolutely everybody who's gone before him. They've hung him up, hung him out to dry. Has he been? He has been hung out to dry, Chris, hasn't he? Let's be honest. He has. I mean, I struggle to feel sympathy in the sense that he knew that this was coming. I mean. I looked back today. At I know what you mean. Yeah, the piece absolutely. that I was writing that uh, Alan Shearer's column uh, before he left the Sun when Steve Bruce first joined and basically said to them, you, "You know what?" He said that in my first conversation with him before he was going to take the job was, "You know, you know exactly what they're going to do. That this is what they do to everyone, and this is what they do to every single manager." And, and Bruce may argue that he got his way to an extent with with Joe Willock, but the Joe Willock deal in the end also hamstrung him from being able to do other other deals. Which I don't think he realised at the time was going to be 
the case. And so it, it, it's hard to feel sympathy for him, but at the same time, it just shows that the limitations are there beyond it. Steve Bruce's, a lot of fans have r- rightly questioned his performance as manager, but I also think that it, it still shows exactly the, the parameters that, that managers, that any manager who is at Newcastle United will have to work with. Even if Steve Bruce leaves, whoever comes in is going to be under the same constraints under Mike Ashley's management, uh, Mike Ashley's ownership, because every single manager has been. But just to take a slightly different view on the squad, I do want to congratulate Newcastle in a way for doing something unique in that they've managed to rebalance a 25-man squad to somehow be weaker. So last year, <laughs> as George mentioned, yeah. the 25-man squad contained Andy Carroll, who, albeit didn't score many goals, was still an alternative uh, sort of uh, destroyer option off the bench, for want of a better term. And they also had Christian Atto, who didn't didn't feature, but was a, a sort of forward option. And then Matty Longstaff and Joe Willock were both outside of the squad. In order to make the 25-man squad this time, Joe Willock is now overage, so goes into the squad... They've lost Matty Longstaff out on loan. Andy Carroll and Christian Atu have left. And we are led to believe that there are going to be four goalkeepers in the squad. The Premier League squad hasn't been confirmed yet. But that's what's seemingly going to be the case. So Newcastle have two fewer outfield options and an extra goalkeeper to choose from. Amazing. And I mean, obviously, deadline days came and came and went. The, uh, the window slamming shut on Steve Bruce's fingers as he desperately tried to grasp somebody on loan. Uh, was there was there really an attempt to steal a deal for, for Bubakar Kamara at the last minute? There, there definitely was contact and there, and there was a bid made. I mean, it, it's a difficult one to determine exactly how far it got. I think Wolves were closer, but Kamara himself didn't really want to leave at that stage. But I, I, there's certainly some people in around Newcastle who see it as a, a sort of late attempt, which they probably knew was unlikely to, to happen given the, the time they went in. He's someone they've looked at for a long while. The recruitment department really like Kamara because he can play both centre-back and uh, midfield, but it just seemed like a sort of last-ditch attempt. Uh, whereas the one, the one, the player Steve Bruce wanted and who he'd wanted, he's wanted for about a year. Is Hamza Chowdhury? I mean, Hamza Chowdhury is fast becoming the new Bastost, in that he's just going to be linked every single window <laughs> and then never actually signed for Newcastle United. I think. Yeah, that's the one. Absolutely. Who in in turn has become the new? Uh, oh man, what's the what's he called? The Swiss guy who's still in the Jasmine Dean Hotel. What was his name? Oh, I know who you mean. Um, yeah, I do as well. Can't remember. Who swiftly became the new Matt Janssen. <laughs> It's yeah, it's all it's all a little bit uh, a little bit strange, isn't it? But I mean, to, I to be honest, if Bubakar Kamara doesn't fancy coming to Newcastle for the winter and wants to stay in Nice, I can't honestly blame him. To be perfectly honest, no, I mean, I mean <laughs> but the, 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 there's also this other thing, and this is something that I'm gonna I'm writing about at the moment, um, which is this sense that Newcastle, and this is very much the narrative that has been around the club for quite a long time now, that they just won't spend what's not in their bank account. And so we've heard about, so, you know, Steve Bruce talked about them going, as Chris said, going above and beyond to sign Joe Willock, even though that meant doing it in instalments. But they wouldn't do that to fund a loan for 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 one or ideally uh, uh, two, two new players to come in to cover the positions that Bruce wanted. Now, this to me is absolutely astonishing. I mean, I think there's... There's always been merit, in my mind, to this idea of Newcastle being self-sufficient, which, you know, let's face it, they are at the minute, they're self-sufficient. Now, I like that idea. I like the idea of Newcastle, you know, not being in massive debt. Yeah, they live within their means, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you know, forget the debt that, you know, the historic debt that there is to Ashley. But, you know, I like that idea. And at various points during Ashley's time at the club, there have been sort of attempts to make this more than just, you know, more than just sort of words, that actually, you know, they tried environmental things around the stadium. So, like, 10 years ago, they were turning off the lights when people left rooms, you know, and everybody does that now. And they turned off the escalator at St James's uh, from going automatically. They dug a borehole at the training ground to save thousands of pounds on on water. And th- they did quite interesting things. And at the same time, there was this idea, OK, we'll only sign young players, uh, they'll probably be from abroad. They have to have a sell-on value, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, okay, well, if at the same time you're pump-priming your academy, which they also talked about in those early days, and you know that's the most self-sufficient thing of all that a club can do, you know, put money. But they've done the opposite. They've stripped the club bare. That's how they've saved money. That's how they've become self-sufficient. They've stripped absolutely everything down to the bone. 
And, you know, this idea that they can't spend a million quid or two million quid on a, on a loan. Well, OK, I mean, I can't afford I can't afford to buy a car outright. I can't afford to buy a house outright. But I can find a way to own both of those things um, that means, you know, that I'm not plunging myself into horrific debt that I can never pay. I mean, there are ways of doing that. Newcastle know that they're going to get more money in January. They know that they've got income streams coming down the, down the line. And if the worst thing happens and they... And, they they have to sign they they have to sack Steve Bruce. Are you telling me that there's, they, they wouldn't be able to afford to pay off his contract? I mean, sometimes shit happens, and you have to respond. This is it, George. I I, I mean I, I mean I'm not I don't understand a lot of these things, and financing football is a complex subject. But I don't know how anyone can tell me that a Premier League club that has only been outside of the Premier League for two seasons out of the last however many, how that club doesn't have any money to spend on the basic things like buying players for the team. I don't understand with the amount of money that's involved in football and you know media rights and all of that, how does this club not have any money? I well, don't understand that. No, no. I, I, I would love someone to be able to explain that to me, why the club is skint. Well, Because it feels like it shouldn't be. So, I mean... I mean, Chris might be able to explain that, but I mean, better than me. But, you know, there are things that clubs can have problems with cash flow and stuff and not have money at the bank because of the way, you know, the way they pay things. I mean, you you can look back two years ago to the summer that Bruce arrived and they spent £40 million on Jalinton and they spent money on St Maximan and Kraft and the others. They pay all of that money up front. I mean, unless Chris can tells me that they didn't. I mean, that's so that summer they paid out all that money straight away because that's what they do. Because they don't want to be paying for players um, over years and years and years. That was one of the things that Ashley couldn't understand when he arrived at the club, that they were still paying for players who had effectively left the club. And, you know, he, one of, again, one of, this kind of, one of these policies was they would pay fees up front. So if the club had the money, they, were, they could use it. So, I don't know, maybe two years down the line, they don't have that cash flow. But at the same time, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for not being able to stump up a million quid or two million quid somewhere, especially when they've saved all this money on wages. It's an absolute nonsense, and it's being different. It's being different for the sake of it. It's not being different to get you to get yourself a, an advantage. It's being different to bring yourself a dis, disadvantage. And it's the and the point is the real point actually is that it is a choice on their behalf not to spend. You know, it. You know, there's no money in the bank account. It's their choice not to spend because you can find money, and you can find money, and um, you know, pay it off sensibly without putting yourself in in peril. Chris, just to touch on the on the relationship between the the manager and the and the higher ups, so to speak. It seems he wanted loans in, and and there was rumours at one point that he was even trying to arrange deals himself. What 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 do we know about this? Well, I've written a piece on the Athletic which should be up by the time the podcast's out, basically looking at the window and how. Through large parts of it, it seemed chaotic, and that was particularly the case on deadline day. And by that, I mean there didn't seem to be a sort of clarity and unity of vision between Bruce and the hierarchy in terms of Bruce went into deadline day expecting at least one arrival. I think he thought that Hamza Chowdhury at the very least would arrive, but he also wanted a centre-back if possible. Cameron Carter-Vickers of, of Spurs was someone, again, that they went back in for at one stage. And... But by mid-morning, there were briefings coming out from some parts of the club that the business was done and Steve Bruce expected players to come in and he kept going with the Chowdhury deal and the Chowdhury deal really didn't actually, certainly from the Chowdhury end, because the player was keen to come, he wants game time, Didn't they didn't really give up on it until about half nine. But Newcastle themselves had sort of moved on, or the hierarchy seemed to have moved on a lot earlier than that. So there definitely appeared to be a disconnect in terms of what seemed to be possible. I suppose they would contest that because they were going to have to name four goalkeepers in the squad, which I was told at one stage Steve Bruce was, was might have just only wanted to name the three, that, that, that they still needed to find room and get players out. And so Emil Kraft, there was a chance he could have gone to Fulham on deadline day, but he didn't want to drop down. Um, other players, obviously Sean Longstaff, didn't end up moving on. And I think the fact that Newcastle struggled to move players on and also the goalkeeper situation that they've had did... Um, affect income and business and that's one mitigating factor I think if you can look for any mitigation that would probably be the only element you could bring into it but really as we've already said instead Steve Bruce must look at it and feel that his squad is weaker than or at the best 
almost as, as equivalent of what it was towards the end of last season. It's certainly not better. By the way, just 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 very very briefly on that, Steve Steve Bruce isn't and never has been the kind of manager who would give a list of names to his chief executive or managing director in Newcastle's case and leave them to get on with things. Um, he's very much of the old school variety. He's on the phone all the time. He's on the phone all the time to agents and clubs, finding out who's available, chatting to other managers who he's got, you know, kind of good relationships with, and trying to shake things from trees in that way. So, I'm. I, th- I think there's always been a bit of sort of I've always called it, you know, Brucey's transfer bingo because he'll always be linked. You know, he's he's a manager you can almost sort of link to every player, and there might be a ring of truth in it because. Um, because he's probably been on the phone asking about him at some way, in, you know, at some point. So the idea of him being on the phone yesterday, trying to trying to make something happen, isn't one that is sort of far fetched to me. And George, you had a conversation with some of the other athletic writers about who won the transfer window. It seemed pretty unanimous that uh, that Newcastle United hadn't done that, and that they'd probably had the worst window out of all the Premier League clubs. Um, while other struggling clubs, e.g., Palace, had pretty good windows. Uh, how did that? How did that conversation go? Yeah, well, we did the piece that kind of went up on uh, went up on Wednesday morning. I mean, it was a bit of a no brainer, really, for Newcastle, certainly for me, because I'm contractually obliged to say that Newcastle is shite in everything that I write, <laughs> it feels, at some point. Um, but but it just feels, you know, it just feels obvious. I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's good to see that other people are paying attention and um, <laughs> and sort of think the same. But it's it's pretty obvious, you know, it's it should be pretty obvious to people. I mean, in terms of winning a transfer, you, d- you don't win a transfer window... <laughs> Until no. the end of the season, do you? I mean, because right. let's face it, because you know the bit of the bit of business that looks brilliant can suddenly look terrible if you've not won the title or if you've gone down or or whatever. And, and a player could come in and have a have a rough start and all that sort of stuff, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, just of course. Settle within the squad, absolutely. And it also, you know, it depends on what you're aiming for and what you're trying to do. I mean, in Newcastle's own terms, if they stay up, if they stay up and finish twelfth, then maybe they, you know, maybe maybe to them they have won it. I mean, but. But, you know, for us, for, you know, wanting to see your team and club have a go, wanting to see them improve, wanting to sort of see them strain for something, wanting to see them push and get better and challenge, those things which should really just be the absolute basics, you know, they haven't happened, you know, then they haven't happened in the one in the one area where they can sort of do things. They've not done it. And yes, there is. We know all the mitigation around it. I mean, forget forget the finances for a minute because that's just an excuse. But you know, the the idea of takeover and actually not wanting out. Sorry, and actually wanting out and that sort of feeling that, well, we're just waiting, 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 waiting. But for the people who pay the money, and you know, you've got there has to be some buy-in somewhere. There has to be something to get interested in and excited about. And it's the worst possible timing. We'll come on and talk to you know talk about Southampton and what's happened there. But if you ever wanted to help your head coach or manager, or if you ever wanted to take the pressure off the team, you know now was the time to do it. And there's nothing now until January. There's no other way of doing it apart from sacking people. There's no other way of doing it now. Um, just a couple of quick uh, subscriber questions from the real time feed on the Athletic. App Craig Bees asked, is it possible to recall Matty Longstaff? Uh, surely Bruce wouldn't have let him go if he knew there were no replacements coming in. Chris, what do you know about that? I don't know specifically whether there's a recall clause in the deal or not, but I know that the idea was to send Matty Longstaff to actually get him game time because he hasn't played enough and he hasn't been close enough to getting in the squad regularly enough. It's been bizarre, really, how he's been used over the last year or so. Steve Bruce is citing injuries and illness, which, which did occur, but that's sort of a bit of revisionism as to exactly what happened. So I don't think that the Steve Bruce will be looking to recall Matty Longstaff anytime soon. They'll want him to go and play regularly. I do think that, well, as I said, he very much expected that Hamza Chowdhury was going to come in. I don't think it's so much that if a player hadn't come in, he wouldn't let Matty Longstaff go out on loan because they they, they realise that he needs greater game time than Newcastle could give him regardless. But certainly he didn't want to be left without another midfielder. Uh, and George Christie has asked, uh, with Paul Dummett and Fabian Shea out of contract next summer, do we think there's a big defensive reshuffle on the horizon? <laughs> Um, well, there, there was an opportunity to have a big reshuffle this this summer, wasn't there? Because those same players, I mean, there, there were, there, there were uh, what do you call it? There were options in both of those players' contracts to extend this this summer, weren't there, Chris? Which have been 
taken up. Is that right? That's right, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, in, yes. over the course of the last year or so, uh, and Clark's deal's been extended. Federico Fernandez's deal's been extended. Yeah, Fabian Shares and Dummett, but they were both uh, clauses enacted by the club. Yeah, and Gale. I thought he did. Gale got a three-year extension. Yeah, but sorry, I was just focused on the defence. But yeah, a lot of a lot of. But this is it comes to a wider point. But in terms of the defenders, uh, I mean, Dummett basically, my understanding is that there was a pay rise within within the the extension as well. But at the moment, whether that's going to be extended or whether there's a big defensive reshuffle, Steve Bruce has wanted a centre back since he arrived at Newcastle United, and he's yet to sign a centre back. So yeah. that shows you that the decisions are just being kicked down the road. And this is this is when you mentioned Gale and other ones. This is basically Newcastle law now just renewing deals because it's cheaper and easier in many ways than to sign someone exactly else. Exactly what I was going to say. But yeah. The problem is that someone like Gale or someone like F- Fernandez eventually they're actual playing ability is going to depreciate because they they are aging and in the premier league well, what bruce certainly the way bruce wants to play or if they're going to play this 532 system the center backs he has don't really don't really suit that system he wants more pace he wants more ability on the ball and at the minute newcastle aren't reconstructing their squad to do that and instead it's just kick can down the road policy just this will suffice because it kept us up last year very much seems to be the approach unfortunately absolutely punt punted into the long grass until someone else can deal with it uh, that's what it feels like Gale started four league matches last season, and so he's now got a new three-year contract. I mean, it's exactly as Chris said. They've taken the decision that extending the contract is the easiest is is much easier than doing the squ- squad rebuild, and it's certainly cheaper because you don't you don't have to you know you don't have to uh, pay pay fees. So with someone like Gale, they've missed the opportunity time and time and time again to either get their money back or get somewhere close to their money back. And they're quote unquote protecting an asset which is depreciating absolutely all the time, and his influence is depreciating all the time. And the same goes, you know, the same goes for the others. And Chris's point about the defenders, I mean, we 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 spoke about this earlier today. It feels very very reminiscent to the the time under Benitez when he wanted a new goalkeeper and the reason he wanted a new goalkeeper was because he wanted a different type of goalkeeper and Newcastle already had three or four keepers on the books at that time the club's response was to say no or probably actually to say yes but to delay it and it didn't happen and didn't happen Benitez got pissed off but and you know, again, when Bruce comes in, they've got six defenders. The criticism of those defenders was that they were all similar. You know, they were all very, very similar. Bruce wanted, and Bruce wanted pace. But the point is, you know, you know that the dialogue within the club will be, yeah, but we've already got six and a halfs. We've got six and a halfs. We're not giving you another one. So we've got them, and it becomes it becomes more and more difficult to get rid of them when the time comes to either buy. Um, they can't afford it. Um, or won't afford it, and the time comes to loan this summer, um, they won't, you know, they won't do it and say they can't afford it, and they'll be saying to Bruce, "Well, we've already got, we've already got these centre halves, so why do you need another one?" Because it's the way they work. It's the way they've worked over the years, and it, I'm, I'm convinced that it's the way they still work or don't work. And it feels like eventually it's going to come back and bite them on the arse, George. Let's be honest. Uh, anyway, with all that in mind, let's move on and talk about some actual football. We'll be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, 
Newcastle United 2, Southampton 2 at St James's Park. An absolutely turgid opening half hour. Saw booze from disgruntled fans and the first time Steve Bruce has had to deal with unrest in the stadium. Chaps, what did it feel like uh, in the actual ground? Uh, Chris, were you there? You Did you... Missed this one and George was there. Yes, right? I deferred this to George, so this is best George. <laughs> George Junior oh, writing for Oh, finally, <laughs> finally you defer something to me, Chris. How generous oh, of you. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, well, yeah, it was, I mean... It's a funny one, that. Yeah, it, the, the, the half hour, I mean, I'm trying to think about how I describe it because I've lost all ability to differentiate bad from bad from bad from bad. I mean, t- for me, it felt like one of the worst first half certainly first 30 minutes it felt like one of the worst but how many times have i said that in the last two two years and more i mean so but it did feel it did feel terrible southampton um you know southampton were made to look like world beaters and they had all the ball and they were having chances and then suddenly suddenly you get the first kind of shout from the Gallagate corner we want Brucey out, and that then becomes sad, muck and bastard, and it sort of stays in the corner. The kind of interesting thing, I was also at the Burnley Cup game, and from the same area <laughs> in that match, the chant was of Brucey, Brucey, give us a wave. Now, and he did, but of course that was a younger crowd. It was a like a school crowd. It was it was younger, yeah. and it was sort of very different, and it was cheaper tickets and all that kind of stuff. But if you were an alien. Who'd, who'd, who'd been beamed down to Newcastle only to watch these two matches, you'd have thought, what the hell is going on at this football? Anyway, you'd have, the, the, the alien would have had quite a good point. Yeah. But, but and it was there, and I, I, I kind of wrote, to me it felt like the atmosphere was like tinder, tinderbox dry. It was yeah. that sort of, it Ready was to like go. one little spark, and it would yeah. have just, it would have gone. And I think if Southampton had scored first, you know, yeah, I think yeah. pff, it could have been a real bother there. It would have been very interesting if that had happened. And then, you know, in the second half, the chance came back again around about the sort of 85th, 6th minute, that sort of thing. And, of course, Newcastle then go ahead again. And so it and I, it sounded to me as if the, as if there's, as if the chance was sort of starting to spread um, around the Gallagate. But it didn't, it, you know, it, it, you can't say that it was the full-blown... Full uh, kind of mutiny. No. It was a full thing, but it was the start of something, and it did feel significant. And you could tell afterwards that Bruce was crestfallen and and very upset. I asked him about it. I, you know, what would you say to those to those people who've done that? I mean, because you know, for me, I think I suppose the the really startling thing is again, if if you're an outsider looking in, it's like, oh my god, they're three games into the se- you know, four, three games, three league games into the season. What what is going on? But an undefeated in two, undefeated in two. But the bigger, the bigger picture <laughs> is that this has been something that's been building up for a long time. Anyway, I asked him what yeah. he would say to those people, and he sort of said, "Well, what can I say?" But you know, it felt like the start of something, and it feels like now, um, you know, that this is where we are in the cycle, and it's going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be very difficult for him to turn turn around this feeling, um, and it might not be possible. Whether the club give a toss about that of course is a whole other question Chris I noticed watching the game that that our wing backs if we want to call them that um, they, they didn't get out of our half for the majority of that first half um, what do you think there's going to be a point this season when Steve Bruce will just abandon this 5-3-2 three, three, idea because he's, he started with five at the back in the last two seasons running and then abandoned it after a few months when things haven't worked out. I know we've spoken about this before, but it just feels like everybody watching the games, fans I've spoke to, they they, they just, they, it's not working and he needs to do something with this. Now, I know they've said they're not going to pull the trigger on this early and this is what they want to play and this is how they want to play, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work, Chris. Well, I think this comes back to the issues that Newcastle have had in the market. The whole policy this summer was built towards Newcastle were going to play this way and so to do that they wanted a new number eight and well a number eight bringing them back and Joe Willock they wanted a different number six someone uh, with athletic ability who can pass the ball a little bit better I think than than 
because because really the, the profile seemed to be the Isaac Hayden style player but I think they wanted someone who could maybe recycle the ball even better and then also they wanted an athletic centre back that was the, the minimum that they wanted and they've only managed to get one of them who they already, ha- already had last year and he's probably the only person who this system at the moment really suits it's square pegs and round holes Miguel Moron <laughs> yeah. looks lost as we've said regularly uh, as you say, wing, wingers are playing as wing-backs, and although I think in an offensive sense, when they have been able to attack, they do add a lot, and obviously Murphy got an assist at the weekend. Defensively, there are real issues there, and I yeah, just don't, it, penalty, it almost actually, feels uh, like the midfield's Murphy being bypassed. Was, I think that's the problem with this yeah. system, is it just doesn't feel like there's a midfield, and so teams are, are packing the midfield in opposition to Newcastle, and Newcastle just can't get control of matches. I mean, Southampton... Complete, who don't usually have more of the ball than the opposition, completely dominated affairs because they just kept the ball. The thing for me, Chris, is it, it almost feels like we're looking through the wrong end of the telescope at the team. And it's <laughs> it's kind of, you know, you're trying to buy players to fit this system. Why aren't we trying to put the players that we've got into the best positions for their that that they're comfortable in and play the best way we can with what we've got because we might we might not buy anyone and, and often we don't so why are we trying to f- to buy players to fit them into this system why aren't we using what we've got to and and playing the way that they are comfortable I, ju- can, can I, I just can can I, can't I, get my head around it yeah but I mean you're trying to apply logic and that, <laughs> oh, so that sorry, so, this, so this is actually what your a silly fault. bastard I am <laughs> but, but 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 look at look at look at the I'd hate having to keep going on about this but look at the transfer window two years ago when they spent forty million quid on Jalinton, a player that does not fit into the system that they were playing, does not fit into the team that they had, and give him to a manager who's clearly got no idea what to do with him then and still has no idea what to do with him now, and he's now on the bench. And the same thing with St Maximin, you can argue. I mean, we all love him because he's he's talented and he's the one player that we've got who can make a difference. That What was Michael Chaplin's description about him uh, last week? He's a Bobby Dazzler. He's a Bobby Dazzler. And it's like, so we love that. But at the same time, if you buy a player like that, you've got to know exactly what to do with him and you've got to kind of build your team around him to make yeah. that work but are we but but we, we've never do, we don't do that we don't do that so suddenly you've gone from this team under Benitez that has balance that has Perez and Rondon um and Almiron all in the right place and you know that that balance is important take those take two of those players out Rondon that's the club's fault Perez that's not the club's fault put two other players in it well funnily enough it doesn't work anymore and yeah. as you say, he started playing five at the back in the start of his reign, or three at the back, whichever one he'd do it. And they're doing it now. And you're still doing it with four or five players out of position. And it's, you know, it's, a, so this is it's it. astonishing. So what, did, right, quick fire here. Salon St. Maximin, are we playing it with strengths? No. Miguel Almiron, are we playing it with strengths? No. Uh, Ryan Fraser, are we playing it with strengths? No. Um, John Joe Shelby, when he plays, are we playing it with strengths? No. Um, Isaac, uh, not Isaac Hayden, sorry, uh, Jacob Murphy. Are we playing to his strengths? No. So what the fuck are we actually doing? That was a quiz that George Who's could have answered the questions we to. Why didn't you let him here? answer them? Yeah, I, I... Whose strengths are we playing to? If that had been this week's quiz, I'd have got all of those right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Every answer, no. So who's... <laughs> no, but my me, me point is, George, no, whose strengths agree, are we I actually agree. playing to? Well... Who is I, this I, for? I, I think it's a great... I think it's a great question. I mean, I think... I think so, for example, St. Max... Well, I... I think I think the team is built around Shelby in some ways because so when he plays he plays in that it's the it's I think that's a, that's a way of his lack of sort of mobility is, is is it's an attempt to kind of cover that up he can sort of try and pass the ball he's the one midfield player who can pass the ball by playing St Maximan where he is where he is I think the idea is that that sort of keeps him out of trouble because a, it's where he wants to play, but B, if you play him on the wing, you're absolutely leaving massive holes behind you. And I think that's the I think that I think that's the problem. It's the problem if you have a good recruitment staff, if you have a good coaching staff, if you have good directors who are all working together, um, you you decide how you're going to play, and then you and then you and then you you bring players in to fit into that system, but. You're also right, Taylor. If you're if you're in that situation where you've got twenty five players, you look at them and try and de- decide what the best you know the best thing to do with. And the point is that now in Steve Bruce's third full season, we're no closer to seeing a balanced team or a balanced squad. I think they are still paying for that transfer window uh, 
two years ago. But even allowing for that, he's had enough time and you know enough players have come in over the course of that time. Not all of them his choice, but enough players have come in for him to kind of be doing something a bit more substantive than this. The other thing, sorry, just very quickly, I know, I'm, but but because Newcastle haven't strengthened since the end of this last season, they're playing the same personnel that they were playing back in April and May, and it did do them, it did them, it served them well at that point. But that they must be the easiest team to play against because clubs have got all that history at the start of the season you know it's like oh we're playing um we're playing southampton today they've made a few signings i wonder what they're going to do that's going to be interesting they've only played one game before this i wonder what they'll do i wonder how it'll go you know and newcastle everyone knows that richie and murphy aren't wing backs so if i was another team that would be pretty high up in my thought you know let's attack that space and I know that if St Maximan doesn't do anything, or if we keep him quiet, then Newcastle suddenly won't have any threat. So let's maybe put two people on him. And so that is the other problem about strengthening. Newcastle don't have a surprise anymore. And, um, you know, the surprise of St Maximar, you know, we know that he can sort of do anything. We saw against West Ham, he can sort of create something out of nothing. And of course, he scored a goal against Southampton. But, you know, you can, you, 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 you can sort of take precautions to deal with that and Newcastle don't have enough variation elsewhere and it's I, I agree I, I just think it, I think it's astonishing that four years now back in the Premier League Rafa talked about balance all the time he he wanted it it took him ages to get it because of the way they operated in the transfer window and he ended up getting it for half a season before and he, he got left. it he got it for <laughs> half a season this isn't yeah. all Steve Bruce's fault but they're they're as unbalanced as they've ever been and it's it's just, it's astonishing it's mad. Um, that defence is is still looking leaky, uh, and they've conceded another penalty. Um, there was, you know, the, the ball got threaded through to, to Adam Armstrong, and I mean, he probably would have tucked it away anyway if the if the challenge hadn't came in from Jamal Sells. But that's now three penalties faced in four league games, or if we're actually going to extrapolate that out into the uh, the cups, how many was it, Chris? Eight penalties in eight, five eight, games? No, eight and four. So it's four four games. So eight, eight and four. Eight and four. Astonishing stuff. Has a goalkeeper ever faced that many penalties in his first four games of the season? It's a good question. Well, they, they, um, they might. Yeah. Well, Newcastle they, they United record setters. I suppose with the league <laughs> with the league cup being so early, there might have been mm. a shootout that's gone a bit further. There's a possibility, than, yeah. there. but I mean, yeah, in in both um, in both the league games, though. We seem good at giving them away, don't we? Sorry, how many league games have we played? Three. Uh, Three league games, yeah. It's been a long season. And <laughs> and and it's, they're panicking. At the back, they're panicking. Yeah, and you can see that's, that's the scary thing. And Southampton, I thought Southampton was very much like the bad days of last season where, I mean, so West Ham, there were bits of promise, you know, and, and, and in, certainly in terms of going forward, it was like Newcastle were trying to take the initiative and they were trying to attack. And I quite enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed it. I only watched the highlights. I wasn't there, but I I enjoyed sort of what I saw. And I sort of thought to myself, OK, well, if it's going to be like this, I don't want to lose 4-2 every week. But if, if this is actually Newcastle reinventing themselves as a team that are having a go, then I can, you know, if that's all I've got to look forward to, then fine, I'll look forward to that because it's a bit better. Against Southampton, it was the worst of last season again. It was hanging back and just waiting to be knocked out. There was, it wasn't defending. It wasn't, it wasn't making clearances. It wasn't putting those, you know, incredible tack- tackles in and the crowd getting up for it. It was just standing there, vaguely attempting to be in the way and not even be very, being very good at that. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, lads, the next game is Man United away, uh, and our leaky colander of a back line will be up against one of the greatest footballers to ever play the game. So that should be all right, shouldn't it? I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo will miss a penalty. That's what it'll be. Anyway, let's move on. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. 
Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, let's talk a little bit about the player that we did sign. Obviously, the jokes are there, the goal movie references. And I'm wondering, I hope he gets to make his debut against Fulham in the Cup. I don't think he will. Uh, but Chris, uh, this this has been in the offing for a little while and you've been part of the athletics work, tracking it transatlantically, if that's even a word. Uh, what's, what's happened here? Santiago Munoz, not Munez, but Munoz, uh, he's joined the club into the under-23s. Yes. Now I don't want to take t- too much credit for this because basically I have jumped on the back of of my of our athletic colleagues. Doesn't across, sound like you, Chris. Across the the, the pond, Felipe <laughs> Cardenas, who's been on top of the story for months. So before it even broke as a as a rumor uh, last month, I received a message which I thought was taking the piss from uh, Felipe <laughs> saying because they because basically last year or earlier this year he wrote an article where he'd interviewed Santiago Munoz about the fact that his name was very similar and Newcastle obviously had retweeted and all that sort of stuff and they said no Newcastle right. are actually going to sign him and I was what and so they said Newcastle are, are, are going to sign him and he's, he's a 19 year old striker coming in from Santos Laguna 18 month loan with an option to buy so it's a bit of a strange deal but he's someone who Steve Nixon uh, the head of recruitment he's been trying to increase Newcastle's uh, scouting presence in in South and Central America, and so uh, Munoz is is the latest one. Obviously, Rodrigo Vilca signed last year. He's just gone out on loan to Rotherham, but this is so very much someone for the under twenty three squad. So I, I think it's highly unlikely he's going to play in the short term in the first team unless he really really impresses. But Newcastle want to see if he can make the adaptation across, if he can um, if he can physically grow and improve. But yeah, so basically on the, on, on the Athletic at the moment, uh, there's an interview with both Munoz and some Santos Laguna directors basically explaining his background and his move and how this all came about and it's yeah, it'll be fascinating to, to see whether this does progress and if any if there are any similarities with goal beyond just the fact that his name and he's joined Newcastle United is vaguely similar <laughs> it's vaguely spelt similarly has anybody asked Anna Friel how she feels about this yet come on Ooh, this is to. the thing we want to know yeah George will take that one on George, George will take I'd that I'd love job. to I'd love to and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Okay, so regular listeners uh, will know that we've started a little ritual at the end of every podcast where we've uh, tried to come up with reasons oh, to no. be cheerful about no, Newcastle, no, about no. football, no. and about life. And George, no. just, just grin and bear it, mate. Come on, we can get oh, through. Okay. Uh, the first two or three weeks weren't easy, but my God, uh, it's been incredibly tough this week. So tough, in fact, uh, that we've given ourselves a one-week hiatus from that. Oh, so okay. there you go, George. We're not even going right, to do thank it. Thank you. So thank sometimes you. you just have to sink to your knees, don't you, and beat your fists on the ground and gnash your teeth. Uh, so... So fingers, toes and eyes crossed that we'll be able to find something next week. But in the meantime, here's one nice thing that may give you some of the feels, as the kids say these days. Something a bit different this. Uh, George and our intrepid producer, Ollie, have been commissioned by The Athletic to make a special audio feature uh, paired with some lyrical writing about the return of fans to football grounds. So, George, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, info about this? Yeah, so it's um, yeah, our producer, Ollie Bellwood. It's all his ideas and a brilliant job with it. The idea, the idea, though, was to sort of try and tell the story of football and sound. And the reason for doing that is because for 18 months we didn't have any sound. Or to put that a different way, the sound was fake. It was fake crowd noise. It was, um, you know, fake cheering and fake singing. And really, if you took a step away from that, it was you sitting in your front room watching the television or looking looking at your laptop and stuff like that. And the idea was to try and try and show how much sound is part of the football experience. And of course, the big part of that is the noise inside the stadium, how it rises and falls, and and all that kind of stuff, and the funny things that are shouted and things. But it's also everything around the day of going to a game. It's the travel, it's meeting friends, it's going to the pub, it's 
uh, going to the food bank and hearing 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 coins rattling in buckets. It's the sound of the program seller and the turnstile and burgers sizzling and all that, all the rest of it. And so we wanted to try and cap- capture that. And I've kind of written about it, and Ollie recorded it, and it's something very different. So it was it was um, kind of around a Newcastle game. It's not something that's we just want Newcastle fans to listen to. We'd love everybody to listen to and. Um, what what it's it's recorded using something that is called binaural audio. So it's it's basically stereo in your ears. It's surround sound in your ears. I don't know the technical the details, but if you put headphones in and listen to it, you can hear, you know, the far champs in the stadium sound as if they're the far champs in the stadium, and the stuff that's happening near you sounds close. And it's I think it's I think it's brilliant. You have to put up with my. Um, monotone which is a bit uh talking over it every now and again but it's a it's a fabulous job so i'd love you to um love you to listen to that um a bit different brilliant so definitely check that out it'll be released into the pod on the time podcast feed on saturday morning uh so if you've subscribed to us there's nothing else you need to do uh, anyone can listen though uh, just search for pod on the time the sound of football and you can stream or download the episode and you can do that from uh saturday the 4th of september at 6 a.m but that's enough waffle uh the best way to explain this is to give you a quick listen so let's finish by playing you a little taster uh of what the show is all about thanks to chris uh and george and thank you to all of you for listening uh until next time it's goodbye from all of us at pot on the time what does football sound like football should sound like people Small little bit of casual friendship and intimacy that's built up over the years with people just waving. It should sound like your soul shaking. That noise is something unique, universal collective joy. It sounds like this. Cheers, guys. See you later. Bye, Chris. Have a nice game of football. Break a leg. Oh, Jesus, George. That's what you say. That's what you say to people. (laughs) No, you say that to people in the theatre about to go on stage. You don't say to people about to play five-a-side. For God's sake. Don't break anything. Score a goal. Score a goal for me. Yes. Be good. The Athletic.